Welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast, where you'll learn insights on how to communicate with authenticity, deliver genuine value, and create a memorable experience across your entire customer journey, helping your business become the sought-after leader in your industry. I'm your host, Aileen Day. Now, on to the show. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Value Driven Brand Podcast. You are with me, your host Aileen Day and today I have a very, very special guest for you to listen to, to learn from and to have his wisdom be shared amongst us all. The magnificent, the one, the only Peter Cook from Thought Leaders Business School. Welcome to the podcast. How are we today? Thank you very, very much. I love being called magnificent. That's a, it's only, that's a, I that's only a great speak word. truths. <laughs> it's one of my youngest daughter's favourite words. So Is Four. She said the other day, she said, I have a magnificent idea. <laughs> love that. Your magnificent idea, Amy. We're going to build a training school for puppies. It's going to be just a little bit bigger than our house. So that's, that's Amy's magnificent idea. That is so brilliant. I literally just watched a documentary about puppies coming into a training school to become guide dogs. And I would highly recommend it, except I did uh, um, cry about every 10 minutes. <laughs> It's a beautiful, beautiful little journey they go on. Uh, that is so gorgeous. So you've already got a little four-year-old entrepreneur in your hands. That is great to see. <laughs> yes, I don't think she... It was just because we actually have a new puppy. I don't think she's planning to make any money out of it. <laughs> what do they say? Uh, necessity is the... is the Mother of all inventions. Mother of all inventions. <laughs> Good to see she's already considering her options. Now, for those of you who don't know who Peter Cook is, he is a best-selling author. He is a husband. He is a dad of two beautiful little girls and a third Dan in third Dan in black belt in is it karate? Aikido. Aikido. Yes, that's another different Japanese martial art. But. Don't don't mess with him either way. Right? Okay, you got it. And as well as that, he's the leader and chairperson of the globally renowned institution, uh, Thought Leaders Business School, which... Globally renowned. That's Yeah. Look, I'm all about the compliments today. <laughs> you certainly are. <laughs> Not even paid. It's just, it's just what I think. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> I can say that from experience. Yes. Absolutely. So, welcome to the show, Thought Leaders Business School. It is, uh, it is, it is globally renowned. It is globally known. You and uh, your offside of Matt Church, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. That's right. We we started. Well, Matt started Thought Leaders in two thousand, mm-hmm. and we started business school together seven years ago. Now. Wow. So what is it that, you know, how did you get to this point where you are now doing a, a global business school? What happened with Peter Cook? How, how did it all kind of pan out? <laughs> so I was back in 2000, so 20 years ago now. Oh, I God. left 
<laughs> yes, I know, I know. I left Accenture. I was a consultant at Accenture and I mm-hmm. left to go out on my own and became a business coach. Mm. I kind of was looking down the, the runway towards being a partner at a global consulting firm and thought that's not the life I want, it's not the future that I want. Mm-hmm. But, and I, so I, but business coaching wasn't really a thing then. Like now it, it really is, but 20 years ago it was still pretty new. And I, so, I, so I had a friend of mine who put me on a business coach and I was working with her about what I wanted to do. And I kind of thought, that's actually a pretty cool job. I'd really liked, I'd like to be on the other side of the table. I love what you're doing. So I became mm. a business coach at a time when I was 27. I'd never run a business and I'd never been a coach. Nothing like <laughs> jumping in the deep end. <laughs> the, um, the arrogance and ignorance of youth, right? And I was like, yeah, how hard could it be? Harder than I thought, apparently. (laughs) And especially, yeah, yeah. So I had a year of, and and when I talked to people then, they would say, what's a business coach? Was Mm -hmm. it? Like I had the first, and then why would, what makes you a business coach? That's a pretty good question. Um, So I had a tough first year knocking on lots of doors. um, Like you say, learning at the deep end. Mm. And then, but then I started to get some traction and my second year, I had a six figure coaching business. So it started to, this is starting to work. Uh, but I, because I was telling all my clients that what they needed to do was grow their business, I kept thinking that I had to do the same thing. So I kept mm-hmm. trying to grow the business and trying to, I franchised, I sold five franchises, none of them worked. So I bought them all back. Right. I then employed coaches up and down the east coast of Australia, had 10 coaches in the business, beautiful office in Fitzroy in Melbourne. All looked very impressive. Mm. But I was, my income still never got above 100, 120,000, mm. above what we call white belt in the, in yeah. the thought leader of the world. So I, and there was this turning point that happened in May 2009. So I went with Trish to Bali. We had, so my wife, we had a holiday for nine days in Bali because that was as long as I could be away from the business without the wheels falling off. Wow. So it was a week and two weekends. Mm. And we're on this, we're on this beautiful beach on the Ahmed coast, on the northeast coast of Bali. And we were actually, we had this cottage on the beach and we were sleeping on the day bed under the veranda. Mm. So we're actually sleeping outside and we would see the sun rise in the morning and the fishing boats coming in still in the morning silhouetted against the rising sun and it was just wow. this, this real slice of paradise yeah and i had this moment of clarity that i thought back when i used to be a uni student i used to get two months holiday every year now that i'm a inverted commas successful entrepreneur one week's all i get yeah and there's something really wrong with this picture and how I've designed my business and how I've designed my life. Mm. So I made the decision then that I was going to change my business so that I could run it from Bali. Mm. And cause I wanted a two months, I wanted two months in Bali. Goals. And yeah. It was, um, and so, so I sort of said that to Trish on this holiday and she said, sounds good. And so for the rest of that year, I changed everything. I went from 10 coaches in the business to just me I yeah. didn't renew the lease on the office. I let go of my EA. Um, 
I only kept half a dozen clients. So the clients that I really loved working with, mm, I kept, I, I set them up to work on the phone. And then that December and January went back to Bali and we lived in this, um, we had this amazing two months where we were living on $50 a day. We had a motorbike, uh, um, uh, this little, I'm saying in this little guest house, um, this room in a guest house overlooking this pool that was $30 a night for, wow. for two months. And, and I was actually making more money working a day a week with a mobile phone and a laptop sitting by the pool in Bali than I had been working six days a week, stressed to the eyeballs and um, running this whole catastrophe in Melbourne. And, wow. And I thought, this is, this is better. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm curious, and, 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 what was the time, what was the time kind of parameters around the day you made the decision to when you got back to yeah, so that was May that made the, we made the decision in May and we were back in December. Wow. So, so it was a six months, months, six month transition. And yeah. And then when I got back, um, a, a friend said to me, Oh, you've, what you're doing now, that's called, that's a practice. You're running a practice now, which I'd never heard of. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's a practice. It's just you, your name, your brand. You should go and meet this guy, Matt Church. Mm. He runs this, he runs Thor Leaders. It's all about how do you run a practice? So he introduced me. I went, met Matt, did a, did his, what was then a two day course to learn the Thought Leaders methodology. Mm. Um, and was and that was talking about mind blowing. I was like, oh, I'm, this is not actually cheating. I, I kind of felt a little bit like I was cheating running a business that was just me. Mm. And I was like, no, actually, here's this whole community of people who are doing it, and here are all these people who are doing it amazingly well, who are making a million dollars with just them in the business. Mm. And and Matt had worked out this methodology to say, how do you how do you grow a million dollar practice? We call it a practice on your own with one or two support staff. Yeah. And yeah, and I yeah, went really quick in that model. And yeah, did did the course and set myself the challenge of I said to Matt, so we use this martial arts metaphor as you know in thought leaders. Mm-hmm. Of white belt to black belt in which is uh, yeah, around revenue in your practice. So mm-hmm. white belt, 10,000 a month, 120,000 a year, yellow belt, 20,000 a month, 240,000 a year, up to black belt, 60,000 a month, 60,000 a month, 720,000 a year. Yeah. And I said to Matt, what's the, so I'd been, essentially I'd been white belt for a decade. Mm. So for 10 years, I'd been making white belt income revenue. And then I said to Matt, what's the quickest somebody's gone white belt to black belt? And Matt said, Peter Sheehan. He's, uh, he's actually one of the case studies in the, in the green book, in the thought mm-hmm. leader's practice. He did it in 14 months. Wow. And occasionally I'm a tiny bit competitive. Just oh. occasionally, not very often. Just touched? occasionally it just pops, it head, <laughs> pops, pops its head up. Did you say, Matt, hold my beer? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I said, all right, I'm going to do it in 12 months. I'm going wow. to actually set, I'm going to create a new record and I am going to get white belt to black belt in 12 months because it's normally a three-year journey. So the expectation is three years, but I thought given I'd been 10 years at white belt, Good practice. I was going to do it, do it a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were also, 
we were also trying to get pregnant at the mm. time. So we'd had a bit of a rough journey. We'd had, uh, we'd had a miscarriage and then Trish had had her appendix rupture, which we didn't realise at the time, but then that had blocked up her tube. So she was actually medically infertile wow. and also really stressed at work. And so she'd quit her job to kind of bring her stress levels down to give us a better chance of getting pregnant. But then she said to me she wasn't stressed anymore about her job. She was now stressed about how much money I wasn't making yeah. and that my income had kind of been up and down and, and she said she didn't feel safe. Mm. She didn't feel like my business could support our family, mm. which, was, which was kind of hard to hear. Yeah. But, um, but also then gave me this real motivation. So, all right, it's actually... My business coaching business was called Love Your Business mm-hmm. and it had this real altruistic save the world vibe. I'm going to put more love into business. I'm going to teach business owners how to run loving businesses. Aww. And I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so what I said is actually maybe it's time I'll let the world look after itself for a while. I'm going to focus on making some money just for a while and looking after my family. Mm-hmm. And so, so I said, I'm going to try and go quickly. And and also started a blog um, that was kind of a little little conceived. I hadn't thought it through that well. I started this blog, White Belt to Black Belt, in 365 days. Oh, so we got to follow the journey. Yeah, exactly. How's that for some accountability? Yeah, yeah, because I imagine that within the thought leaders community. Mm. I kind of forgot that my clients would read it, my brothers would read it, like everybody. And, and I was really transparent. I was talking about what I was coming up against um, and I, I reported my revenue every month. Oh. So at the end of each month in this blog, I said, I made $23,000 this month. Mm-hmm. This was a yellow belt month. The next month, I thought I'd lost a sale. I just recovered it on the last day of the month, got me to 32000 I had a green belt month. And then 125 days later, I had my first black belt a month mm. and then maintained that to get to 720,000 revenue in, so black belt revenue in 10 months. Yeah. And hit hit a million revenue on the 29th of June that year. So the I second love that you remember the dates. Year. That just yeah, goes I, to show absolutely. like the impact that it has on you intrinsically mm. and the impact that it had obviously on your life and your family and yeah. And everything after that, that you can yeah. even, like, uh, my, my dad has six kids. He doesn't even remember the dates they were born for crying out loud. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> and two of them are cheating. We're born on the same day. <laughs> are you a twin? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is amazing. And I just love the the tenacity of it all as well. And I think it's actually a little bit of a good thing that you didn't quite think through who your (laughs) leadership might be, because I think that would have, you know, knowing humans, that would have put that fear into you and you'd be like, oh, Mm. no, I I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. And, like, beat this out. But fuck that. Yeah. You've got a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And I think our society is so crazy around money. So actually having an explicit conversation to say, no, this is, this is the financial target that I'm going for. Yeah. And here's how I'm doing. Yeah. Um, my, it, was, it was great. Like lots of people really got behind it too, which mm. was really nice. There were some people who were confronted by it and you know, there are people who are going, wow, you just earned more in a month than I earn in a year. 
Mm. That's bugger. What do I have to do? <laughs> but then Sign they're also, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember the the guy who, who was my first mentoring, thought leaders mentoring client. So I started doing some thought leaders, like mentoring other thought leaders in that, in that journey. Mm. And then I rang him to say, I'm about to hit black belt for the first time. And I wanted it to be you to actually, which is quite a very clever sales technique, by the way, because how could he say no to that? Yeah. But it was a, like, it was a really, like, it was a really nice, um, like that was a nice moment too. And he was one of the people who was really, really behind me. It's got the, it's got the OG feels of love your business in it though, doesn't it? (laughs) What's OG? I was reading Original gangster. Like, (laughs) I've been seeing this. Seeing this acronym everywhere recently and I've had no idea. That's okay. I just learned only a couple of months ago what goat meant. <laughs> Do you know what goat means? You're obviously, you're obviously not a cricket. I'm not. I'm clearly not a sports buff. I was like, goat? And yeah. I ended up, I got so sick of it. I was like, oh, that's it. I'm Googling it. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> we actually had in our, in the Thought Leaders team, we had a goat award where we had a little, <laughs> but it was weird because it got awarded every month. So it was a little bit bizarre that the greatest of all time <laughs> was for a month. The greatest, the greatest of all 28 days. <laughs> yes. I love it. That is so good. Uh, so what a, what a freaking journey, right? So you've gone into black belt in 12 months. You've broken, you've broken all the, uh, the, the time constraints. Yeah. Matt Church has obviously said, mate, we should talk. <laughs> well, what yeah, happens after Matt that? So he, he invited me to write Sell Your Thoughts with him, which was the first version of the Green Book. So mm-hmm. Thought Leaders Practice, um, which you've got sitting right beside you, yes, <laughs> is, the, is the next, the second edition right. of that book. So he invited me to write that with him, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I wrote then my first book on my own, which was Implement, mm-hmm. around implementation. And then we were talking about what we wanted to do together and, and eventually I said, I think that Thought Leader should be a 12-month program, not a two-day or a four-day program. Mm-hmm. That to actually, for people to get the results, it takes more than teaching them the methodology. We actually need an implementation framework. Mm-hmm. And so business school was effectively my implementation framework overlaid on Matt's methodology where we put in the frameworks and the structures and the accountability and the support yeah to hold people for 12 months yeah so that so that it made it much more likely that people would do the work and follow the system and hence get the results yeah and so yeah we launched that together over seven years ago wow so is Matt now like your work husband (laughs) <laughs> well, no, we've got now the, the leadership's expanded. Lisa O'Neill has come in, has taken over from from me as the CEO. So I'm now handed that over to her and I'm now the chairperson mm-hmm. for leaders. And we've also brought in Linda, another Kiwi. So we've got two Kiwis. She's heading up faculty and our mentor development. That's fantastic. So it's, it's so nice we actually expanded it a bit. So the practice is growing. 
Yeah, well, it's, interestingly, it's now we teach <laughs> we teach this business practice distinction, and now thought leaders is clearly a business. Yeah, which is part of our part of our black belt, our beyond black belt curriculum is mm. is what do you do with a how do you turn a practice into a legacy practice? Yes, one that lasts beyond you. Yes, and then obviously for it to last beyond you, it has to start to get some business get some business elements mm. um, but it, it's still having said that it's still very much us doing the delivery it's not which to not be honest our, i really love that you know the original yeah. uh you know founders of it are still the ones who are in essence the teachers and the trainers yep. and and you know from I uh, I work in customer experience, so a lot of my oh, no. a lot of my work is around you know working on how to keep customers human beings to be as yep. loyal as human beings can be uh, to yep. a brand. And I think one mm. of the biggest things that I find in the feedback that I get around training programs and and whatnot is that uh, people think they're going in to see a person or learn from a person, but in actual fact, it's their legacy that they end up learning from. Yeah. And so that customer experience becomes like diminished a little bit. So they lose that, mm. you know, they lose that advocacy. So I think that from your point of view, the way you still have that model where you're in touch and, and on the ground mm. at the front line is an amazing, uh, an amazing model to continue working with. Yeah. It's an interesting balance too because you typically like you're also talking about a brand like we don't want to be two middle-aged white blokes at the front of the room telling everybody what to do we also want to create a more leaderful community mm. but but also honoring well actually yeah this is where it started and people want that connection too yeah absolutely so it's there's a there's a tension there too but of how how much do we step back and mm. let other people lead and how much do we still still be at the front of the room? And yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to how you put that out there as well. So, you know, I said to a lot of customers, you know, if you set up the right expectations, then people won't be disappointed. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's pretty much that simple. <laughs> yes. Don't don't advertise that you're coming to meet Peter Cook and, you know, yeah. Alien Day standing there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there'd be anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is such an amazing yeah. journey. I love, I love just the ferocity that you've had in getting where you are today, and the collaboration with some amazing, amazing people. I haven't actually had the chance to meet Matt, but you know, one day, never know. Um, <laughs> and I love the story of you video, guys. No <laughs> I have seen him on video. I haven't met Matt yet, but. Uh, you never know, one day. However, Mr. Peter Cook, chairperson of Thought Leaders <laughs> Business School, man in the know, proven business coach, world, world, renowned. <laughs> world renowned, I want to know, magnificent, <laughs> magnificent <laughs> human that you are, I want to know, and for my listeners, for our listeners today, what is it that you prescribe to them in how they can become their own value-driven brand? What are the tactics that you employ for your mm. own practice, business, 
life that has gotten you to be able to live this value-driven brand that is is you. Yeah, it's interesting because our methodology and our community are all people where the expert or the person or the thought leader is the brand. So there's this whole there's another layer on top of that of how do you how do you position yourself and how do you sell yourself when it's you? Mm. Which is again, it's an it's a I think it's possibly the hardest thing to sell. I would agree. Particularly, particularly, I think here, Australia, New Zealand, um, our part of the world, we're not culturally. There's a little bit of cringe around when you do that, mm. and so how you position yourself, yeah, as and how you position your brand becomes even more important. And that's the is the first thing we say is obsess around that. Obsess around positioning mm-hmm. everything you do. And it's interesting, we we say to people at the start of our program that one of the decisions you make coming in is deciding that you're going to be a black belt. Right. Great mindset. Which is, yeah, and it's also, it's like in a way it's a little ridiculous to say, all right, you've you've got no track record. You've, like me, I've been making $100,000 a year for a decade Mm. to actually say, no, and actually now go commit to this, make a decision that this is what you're going for. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not just revenue, it's, you know, we say it's a half a million to one and a half million dollars doing work you love with people you like the way you want and making the difference you were born to make. Mm. But part of the reason we do that is you say, okay, if you actually start doing that, make that decision now, you can already start to be that and you can start to position yourself like that. And, and one of our memes is what would a black belt do? So when you're out in the world... <laughs> It's, it's my good, isn't it? go-to whenever I want to sit and watch Netflix and drink wine. Yep. I sit there and I say, Aileen, what would a black belt do? And to be honest, I have no goddamn idea or concept as to what an actual black belt would do. But after reading the book, yes. I figured out a black belt wouldn't go and sit on the couch, watch Netflix and drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> You may be surprised, but <laughs> I don't After want to ruin this for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it's one of uh, one of who is it that who's uh, I've got no name. She says, "Create first, then consume," which I think is a really nice create nice, first, similar moon, then um, consume, and that's I like that. Uh, she sell her programs B Corp. She does these fabulous. Oh, anyway, I've gone blank on her name. American. <laughs> Google it. She's excellent. We'll Google it after the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every yeah, but when you're saying what would a what would a black belt do? It's a little bit of how do you like having somebody else set your appointments? Yeah, is a really good positioning thing. Oh, okay. It's, it's so it's little things that that that's not a what well, it's another I like to call it telling the truth in advance, <laughs> like that you actually you paint this picture of what <laughs> of what you want, I like, and then like and then make it true. <laughs> oh, okay, I like this. Okay, so it's in essence what you're doing is you're you're positioning positioning yourself to um, in essence be bigger than you currently are, but in doing so, you become that big. Yeah. 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 So creating a value-driven brand podcast Mm -hmm. is that. 
Like this is a beautiful positioning piece because you're now talking to people about it. You're the host. Mm. You're automatically positioned as the expert in that. But wait a sec, who the hell said Aileen Day is the expert in value-driven brands? How did that? Yeah, you did. Right? <laughs> but it's, and, and by, by declaring it and being congruent with it, it's now true. Yeah. But it's, it's fabulous. Like it's, a, I mean, obviously it's very congruent. But what you're doing is value-driven branding yourself. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Sorry, obsess about positioning. I love it. I think it is definitely something that we could all put into practice quite easily uh, in, in so many areas of business. Mm-hmm. What would be your second piece of advice around how to deliver a value-driven brand? Publish. So, again, this is for our, specifically for experts who are doing it, but publishing your thinking and doing it, I, I say publish ruthlessly. It's mm. similar. Seth Godin says, says that you have to ship. Um, it's the same idea that you have to get your stuff out and hold your, kind of hold your feet to the flames a little bit to do that, that if you're doing your podcast, is there an episode that comes out every week? Mm-hmm. and then be ruthless about that. Mm-hmm. If you write a weekly blog, write your blog weekly and then eventually get a book. So it's another one of the deliverables for our program is everybody in the program has to write a book. Oh, and, I started writing a uh, book. Want to hear what it's called? I do. So I consult in customer experience, how to help businesses create loyal customers. I started writing a book called... How to piss off your customers and make sure they never come back. The anti-guide to customer awesome. experience. Awesome. When is it? I love it. I love it. When's it coming out? I've only, read, I've only written two chapters so far, but uh, I, I would anticipate sometime early next year. <laughs> <laughs> Isolation's giving me a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah. Whether I like it yeah. or not. Yeah. So in our game, as, as experts, I think the book is still the ultimate positioning tool. And There's, why is uh, that? Reading in the Middle Ages, like in the 15th century, mm-hmm. there were 5,000 books in Europe. Mm. So, so it's 500 years ago. It's not, it's not that long ago. And that, yeah, because every book somebody had actually written did before yes. the printing press, yes. every point. book had, had actually been written and were they were incredibly valuable. Mm. Like, I, I am sure in our house there's more than 5,000 books that have gone through our house that either we still have that are in boxes in the shed that are on bookshelves that are on Kindles. Mm. That's, but, but it's not that long. It's not that long ago that, that, yeah, that, that a book was almost the most valuable thing you could have. Yeah. And, True. and even though we now have so much digital content, we're still culturally haven't caught up. So our cultural memory is that the knowledge of our society is held in books and so when you hold up a, you know, when somebody sends you an actual a book, got a, a book in your hand, it, it's, it has more weight than it actually deserves. Right. So it, there's no reason that a, a website or a newsletter or a video or a podcast, there's no reason that any of those can't be as valuable, but we don't, we don't give them the same weight. Right. And, then he, and a, a, a little experiment you can do to prove it is try throwing out a book. Mm. So I get sent lots of books, like lots and lots of people 
like our students write when they write books, they send me books, which I love. Yeah. Other, but, yeah. but I get sent kind of lots of random books too. And some of them are great and some of them are terrible. <laughs> and I remember because there's no, there's no, you don't have to get an editor. You don't have to. So I got sent this awful book that had, like you could see there was the page layout was terrible. There was typos. Mm. It was somebody had written words, but that was about it. And it was somebody I didn't know who had kind of randomly sent me this awful book. And I went to throw it out and I had almost this physical reaction. And I ended up like to not put it in the recycling bin. (laughs) And I ended up like wrapping it in newspaper to hide it just in case somebody else saw Which is weird, right? It makes no sense. If you get, like, if I give you a brochure and a brochure can cost just as much to produce, like you can, you can now get a book printed for $4, a brochure costs more than that, Mm. but you have no reticence throwing a brochure out. Absolutely. But you try throwing a book out um, and it's because it has this, yeah, this disproportionate weight. Funny you say that though. You know, the Ikea magazines? Yes. (laughs) I nearly get the same feeling putting it out of the bin. Isn't that funny? (laughs) <laughs> and i do you wonder if that is why people your, um, save <laughs> i nearly feel like oh god just the effort that's gone into this and i'm putting it in the bin yeah. how disappointing yeah. goodness me that is and actually you know i i know some people say oh i'm i'm well known and i've never written a book but would it be a fair statement or a fair kind of um insight to say they might be the outlier when it comes to becoming well-known in business or in a practice that usually if you are also an author, that credibility of, of having that book with your kind of name on it adds to that want to get to know you even more. Yeah, absolutely. So of course there are people who have been successful without writing a book, Mm. but in terms of, I talk about it as marketing arbitrage, that you actually arbitrage. do an arbitrage, which it's a good word, isn't it? Whoa, what does <laughs> that mean? There's a different, like when you talk about financial arbitrage, it's when there's a, a, a difference. So geo-arbitrage is where you get work done in a different geographical place that costs much less. Oh. So if, if you employ staff in the Philippines and mm-hmm. you make money in the United States, that's geo-arbitrage because there's such a different cost of living. But mar- I talk about marketing arbitrage is the difference between the effort of writing a book, which is there's still a fair bit of effort to write a good book, but there's a disproportionate return. So right. if you give somebody a book, you automatically kind of take that position as, as, a, as the expert. It puts your brand there. You're less risky if you're uh, a speaker. Yes. So if there's two speakers mm-hmm. and one of the speakers has written a book, that's mm-hmm. a less risky option. I better hurry up and read it then. Write it. (laughs) Hurry up and write it. (laughs) Yeah. I can just see I can just see the title of my new book being read out on international speaking stages. (laughs) Yes. Internationally renowned. Can't wait. Author of the magnificent book. So that's a fantastic tip. I love that as well, especially because I'm a little bit biased. I am in the process of writing a book. So that is fantastic. And it's just, it's one of those things, I think, especially with what's happening at the moment where people have got uh, this, I wouldn't say extra energy, but this different energy going on with uh, this pandemic. And and even once it's Mm. done, you know, to 
reconnect with words. I find it's funny you mentioned um, handwriting. I, mm. um, I have lovely handwriting. I used to work at Bunnings and you yep. know how you walk into Bunnings and they have big blackboards with beautifully yep. written signs yep. on them. That was my, well, that wasn't my job, but I loved doing it. So yep. I did it a lot and therefore yep. my, uh, my handwriting is quite good. And one of the things I've noticed is I have now, I won't turn the camera away, but I have now got notepads, notebooks, pieces of paper, and I literally nearly don't use a digital anything to write things now. I just am using diaries and notebooks just to reconnect my brain yeah. into something that feels more uh, grounding than mm. what I was doing before. And yes, it probably, like I wrote a blog the other week and it took me, probably took me about three or four hours to hand write it. And yep. then I had to go back and type it up. And yes, it was double handling, probably not the most efficient like way to use my time. But I think the outcome was completely mm. different because I had handwritten it. And um, I think the same goes for writing a book. Like you said, Seth Godin says, you know, put your feet yep. on the fire, get your thoughts out and publish. And yep. um, I think so much of people's amazing experiences are yet to be heard. And if you were to take that piece of advice on board, maybe the next piece of publishing is yours. So what would nice. be the third tip? What, you what would be the third tip? that you would uh, encourage businesses, leaders, thought practitioners to uh, to take on to deliver their own value-driven brand? Do what you say. So oh, this is preach. Particularly, particularly where you are the brand, you can't, one of the things I say is never sacrifice the long game for the short game. Okay. What does that mean? So we... So we have a 10-year game. So if you think in your practice, you have a 10-year game to achieve financial freedom, to get to black belt, to run whatever, whatever's your vision for your decade. Mm -hmm. And then you have a, a game, what are you trying to do in the next three years and the one year and what are you doing this quarter? Mm -hmm. And so this quarter we want to have, like it's good to say, okay, this quarter we want to get this out to market and get it to $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So we'll have, in a practice, you'll have sales targets, how many approaches, how many meetings, how many sales, how much money do you want to make this 90 days? But never hurt the long game for the short game. So never sacrifice the 10-year game for the three-month game. And the long game is all about your positioning and your brand. So never, another way of saying it is never hurt your brand for a short-term result. And what would be a couple of like real-life examples for people to kind of visualise in their minds of... An example where you have potential, not you personally, maybe maybe you personally, um, yeah. but someone you know of who has personally taken on that risk of uh, killing the long game for a short game return. So where you have you have readers who you mm -hmm. deliver value, that you have a kind of an audience, mm -hmm. and where you're you sell too hard for your offer now, mm -hmm. that pisses people off and they stop subscribing. Yeah, they do. So, I yeah. So I have a weekly a weekly blog that I write, and I'm really careful about once or twice a year I'll send out an offer. Mm -hmm. But 52 times a year I'll send out value. Love it. And so and hard. And it's not yeah, but it's not 
but what I could do, like if I wanted to make more money this month, I could. I could yeah. go really hard. I could send, I could have a limited time offer, send long form emails, close hard. I could do all these internet marketing tricks and I would make more money this month, mm. but, I, but it would be out of integrity. It wouldn't be, it would, it would change. It would, I would be, I would actually be cashing in on my positioning, which is this asset I have. Mm-hmm. And I would be reducing that asset to make some quick money rather than say, no, actually, it's more important to, to keep showing up how I've promised. There's, we have this, you sign up for my newsletter, you yes. sign up for my blog for the word yes. from Pete. It's like this promise that I'm going to show, you're going to give me some of your attention, you're going to give me a little bit of attention each week and in return, I'm going to give you a little bit of value each week. Yeah, I love it. And then if I, or another one, one I really don't like with blogs is where I start reading someone's blog and it's a story and then halfway through it becomes a pitch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you tricked me. I promised you some of my attention. Yeah. And you promised me some value and now actually you've broken your promise. Yeah. And by all means, in your PS, tell me what's coming up down the right-hand side. Like, but if, you, if it's an article, make it an article. If it's value, make it value. Don't, don't yeah. mess it up. But, and I, even what you are saying before, you. Like, saying, yeah, selling a program and then tricking people into coming along to see you and it's actually somebody else. Mm. But even call back when you say you're going to call back. Mm-hmm. Deliver mm-hmm. and, yeah, have if you're yeah, part of your personal brand is you're someone who's known for doing what they say. Mm. I can trust you. I can, if I can refer people to you. There are people who I can, who I love, who I think their stuff's great, but they're not reliable. Right. They don't do what they say and I cannot refer to them. I can't, I can't send people there because I don't know the experience is going to be good. It might be great. Sometimes it is, but it's hit and miss. Mm. And so I'm not going to risk my reputation sending someone else there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's exactly what happens when, you know, I, I do a lot of work around, you know, net, uh, net promoter and, and stuff like that. And, yep. and why would you recommend someone and, and why mm. wouldn't you? And, and what's the, uh, what's the offshoot to recommending a service or a product or, or whatever it might be. And then it actually goes to custard, you know, what's that personal yep um personal kind of outcome from there and and you're right if if you were to not be doing what you're saying you're out there doing and it's no surprise that people aren't going to recommend you and in a lot of uh, professional services it can be really really great at marketing but i find still probably 98 percent of my clients come from word of mouth yeah of course so from a business point of view or a thought leader or a practitioner's point of view, you know, that, and, and to me, we talk, I talk a lot about values. So, mm. you know, one of my highest values is integrity. And I don't even care if something has just blown up in my face. If I made a mistake, I have the integrity to own it and, and to be accountable mm. And, and the same goes for, you know, if I want people to recommend me, I will work my ass off to show them that I do what I say I do because the last thing I want is someone to go, actually, mm. yeah, she's a bit sketchy. Yeah. That would kill me. Yeah. Yep. 
Yes. When you say it's it's one of your highest values, it's my highest value. Mm. If I had to pick one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be the same. If I had to pick one, you know, and, and in the book, you guys talk about, uh, you know, the phrase uh, working, say it for me. Work, work your love with people you like the way you want. Right. Love it. And to me, that means when I considered that when I was reading the book and, you know, I've been to one of your um, workshops and when I considered what that meant for me, that meant I want to work with people with high integrity as well. I want customers who, when they say to me, Aileen, I'm ready to change or I'm ready to listen, that they show yeah. me that they're ready to listen or that they're, yeah. you know, they might struggle and I never expect to um, see them you know, win in five minutes, but I hold this kind of value where I can see that you've got enough integrity to show me that you're trying. Yeah. So I would agree with you. Integrity is definitely yep. my highest working value and probably life value, to be honest. Yeah. They are some absolutely amazing tips and insights into business and, and how to do it successfully, how to, not do some of it, <laughs> which is just as important because I think so many times people say, don't do that. But it's really important. I find to explain, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that feel? What's the actual outcome? And I think sometimes it's like having children, you know, <laughs> you can say, don't touch that. Yeah. Man, I'm touching it until I figure out why you can tell me not to touch it. You yeah. know? And I think what you said too, you apologize when you get it wrong yeah so we got a, i got an email two days ago from somebody who said i um, in our in our foundation program said i've had a really disappointing experience mm. i was expecting a phone call on this day i didn't get it i was had struggled i called someone once i got one message back but that was it i was expecting this and this didn't happen if i had a i know there's no money back guarantee but if there was i would want my money back mm. and i'm like fool Wow, that's this is like luckily this is kind of this is uncommon, but it's also interesting. All right, we've actually we're out of integrity. We've broken our promise. He was this is what he was promised, and this is not what he got. Mm. And for whatever system breakdown or wherever that happened, and pandemic and roles changing and whatever, Mm. like if it's my business, that's my promise that's broken. Yeah. And so before even I kind of found out what it, I didn't kind of try and fix the problem or break. I rang him up and said, I'm as disappointed as you are. Um, I know there isn't a money back guarantee, but I'm giving you one. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you your money back if you're not happy. Uh, would you give us another month to see if we can fix it? But if we don't, this is a personal, I know the, the program doesn't come with a money back guarantee, but you've got a personal money back guarantee from me. Yeah. That if it doesn't get fixed and yeah, yeah so it's, and, and really sorry that that's your experience. It's obviously not, what we're out to do yeah but i think you can yeah when when it like everyone you'll always have times where where you are out of integrity Mm. and it's almost a bigger test of all right then what do you do absolutely and one of the things that i say to my clients a lot is you know even if the person you consider them to not necessarily be coming from a place of integrity themselves so maybe you know they didn't do the right things in the course or they didn't uphold their end of the bargain or they, you know, committed to something, but they didn't actually do whatever it was. At the end of the day, the fact that this happened, I still treat it as a gift, you know, uh, 
A, my background in PR tells me it will <laughs> go away eventually. But how you handle it, I always said my clients, um, one of my clients especially has a uh, international office supplies business and, and they are amazing at what they do, but they get 0.001% of customers who um, can be quite vitriolic and mm. they take it to heart so hard. And I say to them, you know what, this is what you're going to say. You're going to respond and you're going to be genuine and you're going to say sorry. And because saying sorry isn't what many businesses think, it's not an admission of guilt. It's an admission of being human. Mm. And then what you're going to do is you're going to consider that that's not just one person seeing that, that there is the opportunity for that to be shared and talked about and go viral and discussed and so you're actually yep. doing it, not just for that one person, but for anyone who might have had the same thoughts or feelings as well, who might see this later on down the track. And, you know, even now when they contact me, they're like, oh, someone's complained. And I'm like, all right, so we're going we're gonna to control the situation, but we're going to talk to everyone watching from the outside in. And yep. I think from what you've just said, you know, for that, situation where okay fine there's not a money back guarantee but if that person was to go and talk about your brand or your business or or your promise mm. that story just changed completely yeah yeah and it was a gift in essence i look at it and i think thank christ because one thing i know is for every one person that complains is an average yeah. of 10 that just walk away silently and never come back yeah yeah which breaks my heart because yes. I can't fix it. I like fixing shit. Yep. <laughs> oh, so many amazing insights. Now, before I let you go, Mr. Cook. Yes. I hope you remember. If you don't, I'm happy to remind you. I ask all of my guests to give me one song that gets them absolutely pumped for anything mm. Do you remember the song you told me? Let's Go Crazy, of course, by Prince. Yes, Let's Go Crazy by Prince. Now, the fun thing is uh, I was interviewing a psychologist, Dr. Linda Wilson, the other day, and she said, I just can't think of one. I didn't think you'd really care. Now, joke's (laughs) on you because I care so much. The reason being is because for our listeners and our subscribers, Every expert that joins me on the Value Driven Brand Podcast is asked to do exactly that, provide us with the song that pumps them up, gets them ready for anything, and we add it to a very special Spotify playlist. Oh, yay, so cool. Yeah. So everyone that listens into the Value Driven Brand will also get access to the Spotify playlist. And I tell you what, we are just in the early stages, but this playlist is freaking pumping and very eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> we've got we've got trance. We've got Helen Ready. We now have Prince. We have Queen. Yeah. We have some nineties bangers. It's gonna be it's, it's a dangerous song when I'm driving. I find it very hard to drive speedily. You smash the steering time. wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've done that once or twice. So 
Let's Go Crazy by Prince is now officially added to the Alien Day official Spotify playlist. So thank you so much for your contribution to those amazing bangers. Pleasure. And on behalf of myself and everybody listening and uh, everybody that listens in the future and watches this video, wants to know more about Peter Cook or the Thought Leaders Business School, uh, you can also, Peter is so generous, he is offering a free copy of the Thought Leaders uh, book, Thought Leaders Practice book. All you have to do is email him, and I'm going to tell you, the email address is peter at petercook.com. Peter How easy is that? at petercook.com. So easy. And just mention, just mention the value driven brand podcast in the email and say book, please. And book, please. we would love to get your copy. Book me, baby. And book thank you so much for your generosity. That is amazing. Now, I have read, read this book uh, twice, actually. And I don't, I'm not sure if Peter knows which part, but I'm actually. Um, doing a bookmarked it specifically i am in the process of doing what's called pink sheets and if you don't know what they are then you certainly they need will. to email peter and get your copy of they the book will. and will change your life it will change your life it will change how you do business it will change your brand and how you go about uh practicing your expertise out in the world. You can also visit my website because all of Peter's socials and his website and this podcast and the video will be available on valuedrivenbrand.com. How easy is that too, hey? Mm. <laughs> valuedrivenbrand.com and you can see all of the resources available from Peter. Peter Cook, Thank you again. Thank you for joining me. It is my privilege, my pleasure to learn from the master. And I can't wait to continue going through my own thought leader's journey. And uh, I look forward to the opportunity to meet you in person again one day in the future. You are too kind. It's been an honour. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Till next time, make sure you get out in the world with a mask maybe wherever you are and uh, stay safe, but go and create value somewhere for somebody in your life. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the value driven brand podcast with your host, Aileen Day. Is your business struggling to become known as the sought after leader in your industry? Access our value driven brand quiz and special three-part podcast series to identify the gaps and what you need to focus on first. Go to www.valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. Tune in next time where we discuss more ideas on how you can deliver your own value-driven brand.